1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match
0: limited by state law. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Oh, a difference in the game, they got layups. They the layups, and then they got wide open threes. So I would ask some guys, that usually don't make shots, but they made shots
0: because they basically was like workout shots. so There was nobody there. Mm-hmm. I took a test them. The Miami Heat looked like the Miami Heat team we've seen for a lot of years, Todd Divis, when it comes to scoring. The difference is that this one, the one that beat the Washington Wizards, 114-111 Saturday night, they don't have LeBron James, they don't have Dwayne Wade, and up until entering this game, they were 28th in the league in scoring. Playing against a Wizards defense, they looked like a Paul Westhead team for a while, the scoring all over the place, and uh, that was the theme of the postgame, Todd. And we're going to discuss discuss it here on the Lockdown Wizards podcast that the Washington Wizards defense is uh, un- indefensible right now. Is that the right way? Am I phrasing that? That their defense, you, you can't de- you can't defend their defense? Is that a better way to say it? Nothing's being defended, so sure. Sure. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna get into that, talk about what happened here, and sort of wrap up the week on this edition of the Lockdown Wizards podcast. As a reminder, you can find us on iTunes, uh, follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Wizards at Todd underscore Divas. I got that one right. And uh, I'm at at Ben Standig. Uh, let's just jump right in, Todd. Your thoughts on a game in which Miami, like I said, 28th in the league in scoring. They basically had their season average. They were three points shy of their season average after three quarters. They make 13 of 27 three-pointers. And uh, the final score was three, but it was similar to the Wizards' win over the Knicks. They were down 17 with six to go, and you know, they do as what NBA teams often do, make that late rally to make the score look better. But the reality was this was not a good performance, uh, especially defensively.
1: No, it, it, and it's this, it's the same thing again and again, which must be infuriating to Scott Brooks. Uh, they can't stop the ball at the point of attack, which is something that he brought up before the game started. Then we watched them not be able to do that all throughout the game. And then he went over it again once the game concluded, uh especially against Miami, which is such a heavy drive team. they were they on ball one on one defense was putrid, and I don't know what they expect Gortat to do when he has to handle White side inside as well. He's trying to come over and help these guys who keep getting beaten off the dribble and then try to recover the white side. I mean, that's just a a terrible combination. And then Miami, who's not very good at shooting three-pointers, also topped that off this evening by making three-pointers. They had a lot of clean looks. Bradley Beal called this a pickup game, which is pretty much what it appeared for most of the night. And then, uh, interestingly, he was asked if the team was on the same page with help defense, and he said, We're not on the same page defensively at all, which leads me to perhaps a rhetorical question, but I'm sure you'll have an idea or an answer when I ask this. How does a team that has been basically anchored by John Wall, Bradley Beal, and then Otto Porter's influence has grown the last two years, and Gortat, be a formerly top five defensive team? I think, in consecutive seasons, turn into what we saw last year and what we've seen so far this year, when kind of your base personnel and your headliners are the same people who are able, in some capacity, to play defense very well in the past, and now they're terrible at it. Who's to blame for that, and why is that occurring?
0: I think the most interesting part of your answer was thinking that I would have one, because uh, if I did, I think... Um, I would be, uh, I, you know, if I have one, then you would think that they should have one. I'm, I just looked up the numbers really quick. 2013-14 season, the year they make the playoffs and go, you know, win a, win a series. They finish the regular season eighth in scoring defense at 99.4 points a game. The next year, also a playoff year, tied for ninth in the regular season, 97.8 points. Last year, whatever. I, you can maybe point to last year and suggest there was a little too much of that. Small bally stuff that they tried, and, and that they were getting just destroyed with the three point defense. They went, uh, it finished 21st at 104.6 points. And right now, I'm honestly not sure if the stat is updated to this moment, but it, they're, they're giving up, they're sort of below middle of the pack, 105 a, a, a game. Um, you know, now I'll go
1: through the last five years defensive rating instead of just the point total 103, 104.6, 103, then 105.8 last year and then 108.5 coming into tonight before getting totally smoked by a Miami team who can't seem to score on anybody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if tonight I can sort of lay it completely on the bench, as I've been wont to do with a lot of the problems on this team, Um, because they gave up 30, what, 33, 34 in the first quarter. They gave up 60 in the first half. The starters obviously are playing heavy minutes there, and in fact, in that Early second quarter, the bench actually extended the lead a little to bit. Seven. right? So, you know, this isn't maybe the time to pick on there, but I don't know. I mean, look, I've I've thought to some degree, especially last year, I thought that John Wall's defense took it took took a dip. I gave him a little bit of a pass in that he's having to do so much for them on the other end of the court. You know, uh, I get it. We all want to sit here and say you should play hard both ends the whole time. That's how our grandfather did it, and all that kind of junk. But well, that's how Chris Paul does it. Yeah. He's not our grandfather. I that's, guess that's fair. If you
1: want to be top three point guard but, in the league, but then but that's even what you do. But
0: even still, I mean Chris Paul has a, the He
1: has DeAndre Jordan. He has
0: DeAndre Jordan. Jordan, he has Blake Griffin, he 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 has other guys that can maybe I mean granted, he runs the offense, but you know, they have other guys it's the offense isn't how do I say this? He runs the offense, but I don't think the offense is solely dependent on him. He is the engine, though. Here if John Wall isn't doing John Wall things, we see it. They just are not. They're just not enough going on right now. And part of that is the bench because every time the they have to go to the second unit. I mean, John, Wall was what? What did he? How many minutes did he finish with? Like thirty six or something?
1: Thirty seven oh three. He played tonight. Right. Bill Crack forty.
0: Right. I mean, it feels like the only way for this team to win for the most part is these guys either one of two things they have to make threes like they did the other night 15 of 25 against the knicks or the starters have to play heavy minutes and you know that maybe gets you a game or two that's not going to last for a season i mean we, we were both noticing in the locker room after the game uh we were all focused we walked in on marquise morris's injury because he left in the second quarter with an ankle injury he seems like he's okay he basically said he thinks he'll practice on sunday and said X-rays, Scott Brooks said X-rays were negative on Morris's ankle. But then we also noticed like Bradley Beal, uh, late in the game, played 40 minutes. Look, he definitely looked worn out. He, if anything, I'm not saying it was serious, but he looked like a guy who was like a little bit gimpy after the game. He said he stubbed his toe. I hate when that happens. Does hurt. Does hurt. And then like, you know, um, Otto Porter, I think he's fine as far as we know. But he was looking like a guy that was worn out after the game as well. And I get it. I mean, these guys are having to do... Expend so much energy. And like you said, this is what this is the job. This is what they get paid to do. And I totally get that. But it does feel like they're having to do so much because, you know, what happened here in this game? It was 60 59 at halftime. No marquee force to start the third quarter. Jason Smith starts. I can get into whether that was a smart move or not. Either way, he doesn't have tons of options. Miami pretty much quickly from there, uh, midway through the third quarter, they get the lead up to like seven, nine points. It pretty much kept it on from there. And um, you know, w- yeah, at some point the Wizards have to go to their bench, and that didn't, you know, they didn't get any push from there. So again, I, I feel like every, every episode of this show, I should probably start start calling this the Locked On Wizards podcast. I should probably call it the Rip the Wizards Bench podcast.
1: But well, I'll go. Am back I to, wrong? Well,
0: I'll go back to what
1: I originally was talking about, and that's as, as you said, we can debate whether Jason Smith was in the game, but who else was in the game to start the third quarter with him? Wall. Beal, Porter, Gortat.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, so, so these, theory,
1: these guys who have been a uh, part of a very, very, very effective defensive unit in the past, and now, it, it, it's the strangest thing. Like, if if all those guys suddenly couldn't shoot, everybody would be like, "What happened? Why why could you shoot and now and now you just can't you just can't shoot at all?"
0: So I do uh, think it's, like. It's, it's, uh, so I, I will say this: like Miami, obviously, you know, and, you know, give Miami he give Miami credit. I, I I think we all knew that Hassan Whiteside was going to be a problem. He always he yeah. always torches his team on both ends of the court. What do you have? 18 and 18. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had He had nine offensive rebounds by himself. Right. Um, he's he's a problem. But at the end of the day, he is. Their defense revolves around him. I think going back to your point, what's changed? I I think on some level, when they had Trevor Ariza, they had the one guy who. You could say, OK, he's going to get whoever that is and, you know, the wing threat. But regardless of that, it's the wing, the point guard, the center. You have a defensive identity sort of based on that guy. You can revolve around him. You don't need to give him help. He can do stuff. They don't have a stopper at this point. They don't have a guy like hypothetically Mahimi did what he did in Indiana last year was something of a defensive anchor maybe, I doubt it, but maybe you could say, well, okay, now they have this guy they can funnel things into, and he can change it up. Cortot's a fine player. I don't think anybody's comparing him to uh, he's not making an all-defensive team, though. And I think maybe there's that. They just don't have a, that one guy, even. And again, the bench is a whole other story, but at least of the starters, that one guy who you can say, okay, he's locking down so-and-so, mm-hmm. and we can revolve from there.
1: Yeah, and so, but it's also been they We're a very good defensive team after Ariza left and then have fallen off the cliff last year and this year with guys who are older, should be stronger, should be smarter, should understand more things about this league and and be increasingly professional about paying attention to scouting reports, being on point, talking to each other. You know, they've been around each other so much. So um, I feel you on the bench. But that is the most baffling question to me is why that core group could be a capable defensive group before, and they just are not the last year plus how many games of misery have we had this year? 12, 12 games in. Yeah, I mean, this
0: and there may be some more of an X's and O's scenario, but I guess maybe as I'm thinking about this, as we're talking this out, I mentioned Ariza, mentioned how starting last year they went to this offensive such, uh, theme of the pace and space, and that seemed to throw them out of whack. But also last year was the first time where I felt like Nene was getting phased out because it, for Nene is a very good, especially in his peak, a very good defender. Again, maybe we're sure. not saying he's not a rim protector in the classic sense. And no, maybe but pick
1: and roll out top, he's... Very good because he has good hands, he has good feet, and he has a good brain. Right. So those things in good size. Right. So and and so I'm looking those things together. Yeah.
0: So I'm looking back on the roster after Ariza mm-hmm. left. So Paul Pierce comes in for a reason. Pierce was a lot of good, a lot of things. He wasn't a, a defensive stopper, right. but uh, but you still had Nene. So you know, with they
1: were a very good defensive team that year.
0: Right. Right. So I'm saying so maybe so now over those last two years
1: with those four other guys that we've been talking about, Otto obviously didn't have the level of role he has now, but it was still Wall, Beal, Gortat, Paul Pierce, and
0: so you mentioned after, after, here and there. You mentioned after the Knicks game, or that you were impressed, and I agree that with Markeith Morris' defense that game on Kristaps yes. Porzingis, and Otto was getting into it with Carmelo in a, I mean, getting into it defensively. Um, Morris goes out. Now again, they struggled in the first half. Now we can see this. Maybe if Morris plays in the second half, they get after it I, i'm not saying i'm not saying that would happen because we didn't see it in the first half but
1: but that's not where miami's potent right that's not that they're not potent at that spot you're saying di- you're saying di- you're saying Derek waiters.
0: williams is uh is, is not is not an all-star
1: uh, yeah with his jump sh- early jump shots aside we're talking about the drivers for miami dragich dion waiters Even Richardson, who inexplicably became a three-point shooter tonight, which shows you how open he was during those because no one else could be guarded off the dribble. So that's kind of what we're talking about. And one other strange thing to me is we constantly hear after games, well, we need to play defense, we need to play defense. And we, not to my memory can I remember a single individual saying, my defense was bad. And it needs to be better. It's always this wee wee thing, which makes me feel like instead of taking accountability, you're kind of hinting at that across the room or in another locker, they didn't do what they needed to do. And you have multiple people doing that. Now, that could be a misinterpretation by me, but I would love to hear someone just flatly say, you know, we actually heard that from Mark Keith. So I should take that back. We heard that from Mark Keith the other night that he takes it personal. To play good defense and that's why you know he was ambitious against Porzingis and he's done any one after Millsap and concentrated on those things but we don't hear it from those other guys that I've been mentioning who have been here for a while
0: I, I will say I was in the Knicks locker room after the last game so Derek Rose was asked the question how did you guys let the Wizards make all these three pointers and he started with yeah we struggled we struggled all year getting out to the line and then he did go with and I had issues dealing with X Y and Z so yeah I you know you say that I, I I think that's a uh that's a that's a valid point um
1: and to dial you back real quick to the maybe this pace and space screwed up defense carryover Beale did say we still have bad habits we can't seem to get out of that's all it is we have to break out we have to break our habits of getting lazy on defense and our effort just being committed for 48 minutes so maybe that's a carryover from last year of some of the Poor defensive play they were going through then.
0: That is uh that is possible. Uh, you're listening to the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben standing here along with Todd Diabas from the Washington Times. Um, I kind of start remembering at the top of the show to mention other things that have been going on with the podcast. But if you missed it, um, in in uh, Friday's podcast. I talked at length uh, about Otto Porter, his his improved play this year, and also had to had a a one on one interview with uh, Redskins cornerback Greg Toller, who's a DC native. We got into the sort of why he isn't a Wizards fan angle, and, and Todd's laughing at me because he uh, thinks it's funny that I'm bringing Redskins in already. Um, but hey, we, you know we're, we're just showing the breadth of the podcast. We, we we have we 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 can we can tap into many different. People that 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 yeah, that's what we and, want to show. At this people.
1: rate, we're going to have to considering oh, the team is at half a game ahead of the vaunted Philadelphia seventy sixers for the poorest record in the Eastern Conference at
0: this point. Right. I mean, we should like almost sort of dial it back for all the specifics that we're talking about. They just lost a game, more or less, got blown out to a team that has won three games all year. Right. That... To
1: me, this is worse than the seventy sixers game to be honest, even without Embiid, because.
0: Be a wall Good, was on, minutes.
1: and yeah, wall was on minutes and you knew. and it is on so, the
0: road, so you know even you know
1: right, and you know at least the seventy sixers are going to play hard, but this the, <laughs> this the, there's no there's no real it doesn't feel like there's a extensive schematic discussion to be had here, it's more of at what point can they fix the defense by just doing it better individually. Simply, we talked the other night about how, when you play with effort, you know sometimes these simple things can lead to big results. So uh, it, it's truly baffling to me. But I guess if you don't care about it, that's that's going to be the number one thing that doesn't go well because it has nothing to do with what moves you developed in the off season. It very much has to do with ambition.
0: Yeah, and you know, we talked about this stretch. This five game stretch of, hey, okay, mm-hmm. fine. They had the toughest schedule in the league coming into this week. Right. But then you get Philadelphia, the Knicks, Miami, Phoenix, Orlando.
1: Clear route to 500.
0: Right. You, you got they a got good chop here. They are now one and two in this stretch. Phoenix on Monday, at Orlando the day after Thanksgiving. Um, that is. And then San Antonio. Right. right. So, so, I mean, top of my head. Yeah, exactly. So, and then Sacramento comes after San Antonio. So, of the next four games, Again, I'd say three of them are winnable. Spurs, there's a whole other deal. But either way, you know, I, 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 I still feel too early to be like, oh, you got to win. But look, let's be realistic. If you lose, you know, if they go one and three in that stretch, now all of a sudden we're looking at a four and 13 team, if my math is right. The Oklahoma City and the Spurs are back to back after that. Now we're starting to spiral out of control here. I mean, right now it still feels like, OK, if they can win a couple games in a row. Uh, today, Scott Brooks at the Yan Mahimi is going to practice. Sunday, so that's a positive sign. Maybe it's you know, still a week or two before he plays, but either way, you just need to get keep staying in touch until he gets back. We've talked about this a hundred times. We put him on the bench with Sadoransky who had a, another interesting game positively tonight. You cobble together another couple things, and maybe you now have an eight- to nine-man rotation you can feel good about, but you can't, if you're five and 15, by the time he gets back, now it's a whole other conversation, and it's not one I want to have with you because, you know, I you're the positive guy. I don't want to bring you down by constantly talking about losses. Uh,
1: I, w- I would say a, a good chunk of my half-full glass <laughs> evaporated this <laughs> evening, um, it, because this was not this was not really a close game. It, you know, despite the final score, and the strangest part is that the Wizards, I think they max. What did they max out? They, they had a seven-point lead, so at su- at some point there was a twenty-four-point swing in the game. So. <laughs> to it to a team that can't score and um it's i'm kind of out of explanations i don't know what scott what explanation scott brooks has you know he he graciously tried to explain post game what the specific issues are but he reached a point where he was just repeating over and over we have to be better defensively we have to be better defensively." You know, it's like Bart Simpson. They, I think they need to send everyone up to the dry erase board in the locker room, <laughs> and they can all write 50 times we have to be better defensively.
0: By the way, my favorite part of the post-game locker room, speaking of the board, was they put on, this, on their board like as they do what time practice is tomorrow and whatever else, other other details, and the date was wrong, and Sheldon McClellan, I guess, couldn't take it, and he went and fixed the date. I thought that was a uh, nice touch by the rookie. Shows he's attentive. He tapped his forehead and said, IQ. <laughs> um so there you go the 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 wizards are going to practice sunday phoenix monday uh markeith morris uh gets gets his old team any um any other thoughts on this game before we uh i let you get out of here and go have a life
1: no not i mean not really i don't i don't I feel like I'm Scott Brooks in a way, and I don't know what else to say, which is pretty harrowing. Twelve games into the season,
0: you know, like I said, I'm I'm with you and Scott Brooks on the defense. Absolutely, I asked Scott Brooks, and I to me, I keep coming back to this: they have not won a game yet this year without Wall and Beal together. Morris at halftime, regardless of the defense, it was a one-point game. Morris doesn't play the second half, doesn't help, yeah, and immediately Phoenix or uh, Miami pulls away to seven and it goes from there and it just feels like there's not that next guy again i probably would have started sataransky or Ubre or something over jason smith but regardless of that that's not going to work either because at some point you have to go to the bench and now you're right so to me it's like hey if you don't they basically if they don't have those five guys to be available for 48 minutes not play but just be available so so brooks can mix and match maybe keep one of them out there at all times
1: and we noticed it he changed originally he a few games back he was using Markeith as the bridge into the second group and if you look at the points per 100 possessions when he was playing with four bench guys they it was horrendous so Brooks fortunately changed that and used Otto Porter and Beal much more as the bridge with the bench tonight um, But like you said once one of those starting five guys is not available things become so thin so fast that it's hard to find a solution.
0: I almost want to start thinking about, do you take one of the starters and just flat out put them with the second? unit? like, don't start them. Like, try to figure out which of your bench guys you think you can get the most of playing with the starters. So I would say, like, leave Sadoransky on the bench because you need him to sort of help run the thing. And I know it sounds weird to say, well, wait, why would you take Otto Porter, hypothetically, and put him with the backups? Well, if you still could play him the same basic minutes, 32, 35 minutes, but the... You know, Maybe you get more out of Oubre, just to throw it, name somebody, if you play him with the starters, so that the 15 minutes you play him, you're getting more out of him because he's playing with wall, and Otto can give you something with the bench. This
1: sounds like your prior Otto argument when he was coming off the bench, and he played better with the starters statistically, but they kept him coming off the bench.
0: Yes, I believe that is correct. I like it when Todd remembers things general, I said that Todd's- were good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm 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 reaching here, but I mean, it just feels like you have to figure out how to maximize these guys. Ubre in particular, he was bad, he was okay with the starters a year ago. I don't know. Maybe if you put him in with the starters, you just he gets you get more out of those minutes than if he's just stuck playing with the backups. These are things you think about at 11:30 at night on a Saturday after watching a team. Uh, show not much uh, interest in stopping the other team. Correct. I, I mean, I don't... It's... it's
1: Your bench depth is so lacking that they're going to be searching until either somehow in-house it magically changes or basically when we get to January they're able to start looking at things when people who sign contracts in the off season or et cetera, et cetera, that they... they Start to qualify to be to be moved um, if there would be any actual takers uh, for them. So that's still those ideas are still a few months away because of league rules. But wow. at this point, they they just have to keep grinding through with what they have in house. And it, I'm with you, and I'm blaming the bench for a variety of things. But at some point, your anchor people have to be have to take care of what they're doing, and then you worry about you know the back end of things just being competent, which is basically the only the goal for the bench at this point is to maintain just hold a lead, just be even. But if the starters aren't going to guard anyone, it doesn't matter anyway. All
0: right, but the good news tonight is you got ice cream at halftime, and I I think when that raspberry
1: sorbet I went for.
0: Ooh, interesting choice. Uh, So at least when that happens. Regardless of everything else your day has made, you can go into the – it was going to be a busy Sunday for both of us. It uh, for other things, make can make that a little bit a little bit easier for you. Give you a yes. little, little kick.
1: Yeah. Tomorrow night, I'll be thinking of that when I'm at FedEx Field.
0: Yeah, we'll be at the Redskins tomorrow. Um, yeah, that'll be uh, good. Maybe I'll go in the Redskins locker room, win or lose, and ask Josh Norman what he thinks about the Wizards bench. Yeah. How much you give me to, if I ask that question? It's good for me.
1: Yeah, I'm for it. That's good for the podcast. So I'm for that. If it affects you personally, it doesn't affect me. So right. that's also good for me. All
0: right. Well, we'll see how daring I feel tomorrow. Uh, thanks to Todd Dibus. Thanks to you guys for listening. And again, follow us on iTunes. Subscribe there on Twitter at Wizards. Until next time, see ya.